0: Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Well, thanks everyone for joining us for worship. It's great to see everybody. Yesterday we had a great day on the property that we have purchased. So good news, it closed and we are now owners of of this. (laughs) Closed on Friday night. It was so exciting, and what a joy it was to gather together and to pray together with so many of you, and this, this whole situation for us has been a really, it's been a brand new experience. We've never done this before. Uh, this wasn't part of the long-range plan of OCC, uh, but God really was leading in this direction, and so it's been really exciting. We've been seeking a lot of advice and uh, counsel from just people, pastors and others that have moved uh, into permanent spaces, and it's not something we're going to be doing for probably a few years before we actually worship in this location, but the first step is required in, in order to take those future steps of, of really developing the property. And so, but we've been communicating, we've been aiming to communicate uh, for really now several months about this opportunity, and we, we really sense that if at any point it doesn't go our direction or just the whole thing falls apart, uh, we've been trying to just hold an open hand with it, and so... How exciting, though, to see that God um, made this, uh, brought to a close, and then uh, continues to lead us forward. And so, it uh, been a lot of communication. So we've been trying to keep you informed, especially for those of you who've been around and you've been uh, praying for this for many years, and and you just want to know what, what is going on, what, what's next for us. Uh, but if you're newer, you know, it is a lot we're covering, and so uh, we're we here we're here as a staff to just answer questions as you have them. Anything that's coming up in your mind, come and talk to us. We'd love to to uh, just clarify things. And so, I want to pray before we dive in into the message this morning. So let's let's pray together. Father, we we come and we uh, we're all, Father, just uh, coming out of uh, you know, some difficult weeks, some exciting weeks. God, but there's just been a number of things our mind has been racing around. It's Super Bowl Sunday today. There's probably maybe food in the in the, uh, in the the barbecue right now, God. And uh, there's a plan for the day, maybe for many. And so, God, it, it's sometimes really hard for us to just gather our thoughts in busy seasons. And so we ask you for the ability to do that right now. Would you give us clarity and focus, God? We invite your Holy Spirit to speak to us, God, and move amongst us and, and uh, give us insights that we didn't have that we need to, to hear from you. And so, God, we ask you to speak through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we, we've been in this series called Run Towards the Challenge for a few weeks, and we're looking at some of the lives of people who have moved forward in the face of, of what looked like impossible odds. Uh, stories like David facing a giant man named Goliath and, and others. And today we're looking at the story of a man named Daniel. And if you, if you didn't grow up in church, then Daniel... Is, is maybe a story that is unfamiliar to you and so we're going to walk through some of Daniel's life. I'm excited to introduce, uh, this story from the beginning of Daniel. There's, there's, it's a, it's a book with several chapters and so you can read more of it, but mainly we're just going to look this morning at, uh, one, one part of his later life and then we'll back up to the first chapter of his life as well. If you did, if you grew up in church, then you probably heard this story, uh, the story of Daniel several times. Uh, God's protection of Daniel in a lion's den is really a famous Bible story. It's found in Daniel chapter 6. Uh, long story short, Daniel is a, is a Hebrew who finds himself amongst many who were taken out of their land when the Babylonians came and took siege upon Judah and Jerusalem. And, and they, they sieged the area and then they began to take captives into Babylon. And so De, uh, Daniel's one of many who was taken captive into the land of Babylon, a foreign land. And he arrives there as a young man, only 17 years old, and he remained faithful, serving in, in really high position. Uh, he, he was high ranking. He was in uh, the, the court of the king. And he got to be interacting with several Babylonian leaders, several different kings. Uh, but his lion den encounter occurred when he was 80 years old. So he arrives there when he's 17, but at the age of 80... He's put in a lion's den as an old man, and this new king, King Darius the Mede, was now in charge, and uh, there was was many leaders around Daniel who were jealous of him, and some leaders just could not stand that this Hebrew man held such a prominent role so close to the king. And so a group of leaders set a trap for Daniel, and in Daniel chapter 6, you see that the leaders basically said, we're going to enact a law. And they, they had the king sign this into a law. And basically it was that for 30 days, prayer offered to anyone other than the king was outlawed. So if you prayed to the king and bowed down to the king, you were good. But if you prayed to any other god other than King Darius, then the penalty was you'd be thrown into a lion's den. And so the king, he agreed on this. And this was the law. Well, Daniel, as an old man, he did not aim to show any disrespect to the king, to the new king. But he just continued his daily time of prayer to, to his God, to God. And in, in Daniel 6, verse 10, he's praying faithfully to his God. And the leaders were spying on him because they're just trying to catch him. They did this in order to catch him. And so they reported back to the king that Daniel is praying. Not to you, King, but to his God. And the king, when he heard the news, he was he was distressed because he, he, he liked Daniel. He didn't want to he didn't want to have to actually enforce this law. He wanted to rescue Daniel, so he started saying, Oh, Daniel, I'm sorry, but this, this actually the, the, the leaders actually said king. No no king has ever changed a royal edict. So you need to enforce this edict. And so he does. He enforces it. So the king wishes Daniel, well, literally, he's, here's what he says as he's throwing him into a lion's den May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. And then Daniel sealed inside this lion's den with a stone overnight. And the king, the scripture says, that he could hardly sleep. He was just totally. Uh, broken up over this and he's anxious and as soon as the sun comes up he rushes over to see what's happened to Daniel and, and here's the passage this is from Daniel chapter 6 verse twenty. When he came near the den he called to Daniel in an anguished voice Daniel so, servant of the living God has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions and Daniel answered oh king live forever now what would you say to the king at that point <laughs> he's just throwing you in a lion's den Next, Let's look at the next verse, verse 22. He said, My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. Now the king was overjoyed, and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound, he has got he's inspected, no wound was found on him. He did not even scratch, because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command... The men who falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den. And actually, Scripture says they were mauled even before they hit the floor. So it's not that the the lions weren't hungry. They were hungry. These were hungry lions. This is that God intervened in that moment and protected Daniel, did not allow him to be harmed. The story actually is is the exception, not the rule. So what I'm telling you that for is because don't go test this out. Okay? This story is the exception, not the rule. In fact, many many good people have been put in harm's way like this in hostile parts of the world where there is persecution and suffering, and, and, and not many get rescued like this. But God had a plan. In this case, his plan was to rescue this old and yet faithful man. And because of Daniel's courage and faith, it really is you know it's his life and I think his name is a popular name among many, many Christians. Uh, I can think of, in, in just in our church, I can think off the top of my head of about eight Daniels <laughs> in our church. And we did a quick search of our database of how many Daniels have stepped foot in our church. Forty-two Daniels in twelve years. <laughs> it's because th- this, this man, his faith and his courage, is, is, it's so noble. It's, it's, it's a great example. I want to back up, though, from Daniel 6. So that's Daniel 6. He's 80. Now let's back up to his arrival in the land of Babylon, chapter 1, and just read it and take some highlights as we go and then look at some things sort of near the end. We'll talk and apply it to our lives. And so this really helps us as we consider how do we we stand firm for God in what can sometimes feel like a hostile culture around us, especially if you're trying to live... For Jesus Christ, it can sometimes feel like, how do, how do I do that? I don't quite fit in this culture. So take a look, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. It says in verse 2, And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. So that is into uh Nebuchadnezzar's hand. But let's pause there for a moment. And the Lord delivered. This verse 2 is really, really important, this part. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. God was doing something by allowing the Babylonians to come in and take siege over his people, over God's people, and then to carry off God's people into a foreign land. God actually was behind this. God delivered Jehoiakim the king of the Jews into this foreign king's hand. We kind of stop and go. Wait, what? Wait, what? God did this. God delivered. God was working in this moment. Uh, actually, God is—he's in total control. He is—he's sovereign over the affairs of the kingdoms of this earth. This helps us when we really start thinking about that. Why is this happening in this world? We often think this. We scratch our heads when we turn on the news and say, why is all of this happening? in the world. It must be that God like took his hands off the controls for a moment up in heaven. He's controlling the world. He took his hands off the controls, went on a lunch break, and he comes back and he's like, oh my gosh. Look at what's happening. And he starts rallying the angels. What are we gonna do? Wait, why weren't you guys clue me in? I, I took a little longer walk today and why didn't you come get me? See, God's not lost control of any of it. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, I mean what he's saying is God never takes his eyes off of anything for a minute. This whole situation was God's doing. He was delivering his people in the hands of a wicked king as a consequence for their sin and for their rebellion. They were a stubborn people at this point in history. But God is still in control, but he's bringing a consequence to his people for their rebellion. So, this king is delivered into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar along with some of the articles of the temples of God of the temple of God these things these articles he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God verse 3 then the king ordered Ashpenaz chief of the court officials to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility young men without any physical defect handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach, so this man Ashpenaz, he's the court official, uh, he's the head of the eunuchs, actually, who all served in the court of the Babylonian king, okay? Uh, And his job is to select people to serve in the king's court who would not be a threat to the king, so he selects a bunch of eunuchs who would not be a threat to the king. The king would have a harem. My, you know, he, Most people would say he's, he's choosing good-looking men to serve him in this role, but who would not be able to be a threat to his throne because there's good-looking ladies around and he, the king's wives around. And so he's controlling his power and he's controlling his future, the king of Babylon. He has this court official who's selecting people, uh, this sort of gives us an idea of who's looking for people with aptitude, every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. And he, his job, the court official Ashpenaz, his his job was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Okay, so among this group of people are Hebrew men as well, if they fit those standards. But they're taught the ways of the Babylonians, the literature and the language. They're taught a new language. They're taught literature. Well, most likely the literature has to do with the worship rituals, the magic, the arts, the things in the in the foreign land. Now, the Babylonians were a really evil, wicked group of people. When you talk about Babylon, even in our current context, it's usually like a, a, it's usually representative of something evil, wicked, sensual, uh, you know. And even in the Bible, when you look at Babylon, Babylon typically represents the most evil. The, it's sort of the worst. There's no place ever described in, in a worse way than Babylon. Okay, and so it gives us an idea of what the literature probably involved. And so the Hebrews, you know, they grew up in a, in, a, in a society where there was a holiness code and a group of people that were set apart to worship God, and then they're introduced to something very, very different. It says in verse 5 the king assigned them. A daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. So these are all the people that are serving in the court. They were, and these that are being basically trained, they were trained for three years and after that they were to enter the king's service. These are the new recruits to serve in the king's court. Among these were some from Judah. So these are the Hebrew, three, four Hebrew men. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Okay? And the chief official gave them new names. Okay, the chief Babylonian official gave them new names. To Daniel, which Daniel means God is my judge in Hebrew. They gave the name, he gave the name, Hanan, or he gave the name Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar. It basically means Bel's prince. It's highlighting the fact that Daniel would now be a prince or a, a servant to this pagan king or these pagan gods. Okay, And so his name has changed from God is my judge to, I'm now a prince of Bel, in a sense. I'm a prince to this pagan institution and what we worship here. Daniel's name is changed, but then also these other, these other three men's Daniel friends. Hananiah, his name was changed to Shadrach. Mishael, his name was changed to Meshach. And Azariah, his name was changed to Abednego. And again, these are just given Babylonian names. Okay? Verse 8 says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Uh, the, the Hebrews would follow kosher laws, and those would forbid the Hebrews from eating certain kinds of foods. And so Daniel makes a respectful request and asks, can, can, I, can I not eat this? Is there something else I can eat? So verse 9 it says, Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel again, I, I would sort of underline God had caused because you see the hand of God in this whole story. God delivered His people into foreign leader because God was doing something and bringing consequences. But here, God is causing the official who oversees Daniel and these these other men to make this allowance for him. Verse ten. But the official told Daniel, "I'm afraid of my lord." The king who has assigned your food and drink, why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Verse 11, Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this. And he tested them for ten days. Well, let's give it a shot. You guys eat this this other diet, and let's see what you look like. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. Well, God took care of them. Verse 16. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. So totally gives them a, you know, a, now a continual diet of vegetables and, and just basically not forcing them to eat this other food. Verse 17, these, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And at the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. In verse 19, the king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. None equal. I mean, they were standout quality. And so, they entered the king's service. In verse 20, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Ten times better. The wisdom that God gave them was ten times better than anyone else. This is amazing. Daniel and his friends served so well, they basically got promoted to the front of the pack. God had his hands on, hand on their lives. It was sort of a roller coaster ride if you read Daniel's story. Uh, but God exalted them. Verse 21, it ends with this. And Daniel remained there. Until the first year of King Cyrus, it's an amazing story, almost two two thousand six hundred years ago. Okay, now what does this story though have to do with us, other than saying, "Wow, that's that's pretty interesting." God's protection of Daniel when he's an old man in a lion's den, or God's protection of Daniel as a young, you know, teen entering the court service and up until his early, you know, twenties. Well, what does this have to do with us if you're if you follow Christ? And if you're trying to live a life of faith, many times in life, you're just trying to navigate issues and relationships in what can sometimes feel like a hostile culture to your faith and to your beliefs. And we're aiming to navigate well. We're constantly sorting through issues. Issues of conviction. Like, God, have you drawn a line saying, I can't do this. This is out of bounds. And so in life, we're sorting through issues. Issues like... Convictions that God lays out—we get our convictions if you're a Christ follower from this. This is where God gives us a standard, a truth to live by. He gives us guidance. He gives us boundary lines. Stay within these boundary lines, and our convictions need to come from here, where God says, "Hey, I I." There's even some things in the Scripture where God says, "I forbid this. This is out of bounds." You're one of my people. Now, there's, there's matters of conviction, but there's also matters of conscience. Matters of conscience can, can feel like a conviction, but there's, there's a slight difference. The matter of conscience is like, it would be like saying, you know, God has given me freedom in this. Maybe it's not forbidden in Scripture. Maybe there's an area that God has not, you know, forbidden. But for me, I just need to say this whole area is off limits. A matter of conscience. If I were to partake in this area, it would be a violation of my conscience. And so therefore, I'm going to stay away from that. So there's convictions, there's matters of conscience. We also have another area. We have concerns. We're trying to navigate a lot of things going on, not necessarily our stewardship in life, but I'm concerned about some things. And what do I do with my concerns? Areas that are going on, like I, I can inform myself, I can, I can pray for concerns, I can... I can engage in learning about things that concern me, but if it's not a part of my responsibility and stewardship, then I need to know what is my concern in life versus what is my true responsibility in life. And there's another category. It's it's consuming issues or issues that consume our attention. Uh, These new issues in culture can consume a lot of our time. Even though we're sometimes pretty far removed from situations, there's just a lot of things that can just uh, get our attention we we browse the news we read social media you talk to friends you talk to neighbors you go to work it's just tough to know what do i do how do we stand firm which battles should i pick in the culture there's all these cultural fights going on right now or there's there's all sorts of people drawing lines in the sands and we're not we're not quite sure is this a matter of of a a matter of conscience is this a conviction i should hold because of what god has said is this just a concern i have is this just consuming me because it's all i ever hear about and we're just we're really struggling as a culture with these types of things for daniel in chapter 1 the issue was food this was really a con, a conviction he held because of what god had said and for you it it might be water cooler talk whether you know you're at work and maybe there's profane talk There's gossip, maybe there's hot topics, and you're like, ah, should I engage in this or should I not? Should I stay away? Or politics right now, what do you do right now? Politics. With all the crazy that's going on, how are we to respond? Or or just with the pressure to conform in our culture, maybe you feel boxed in and and you're fearful of standing out because of, of what you believe. And so with all of these areas, Daniel's example, I think, really, really speaks to us. In three specific ways. Daniel shows us first how to live with hope even when things are falling apart. How do you live with hope when it all seems to be unraveling? Like What's really helpful for us is that if you follow Christ, you can actually skip to the very end of the Bible and you can read the end of the story. You can read the final few chapters of the Bible and fast forward to the very end of the story. And when we fast forward to the end of the story... Uh, we learn where this world is heading. We 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 learn in the book of Revelation that we don't have to fret, we don't have to worry, we don't have to wonder if God is in control. If we said, you know, I trust in you, God, I'm putting my faith in you, then then we can actually trust Him because we know the end, we know the outcome. To, today actually is you know you know Super Bowl Sunday. I don't know who you're rooting for today, 49ers or the or the Chiefs. I don't want to you know get us all riled up, so. But imagine you could time travel and get to the evening and know the score, know the outcome. Just think of how different today would be. I mean, you'd be able to just enjoy the experience, enjoy the food. You wouldn't be all riled up if, if it's not going your direction. You'd be like, eh. If you're the only one in the room that knew the outcome of the game... You know, you just have you'd have fun with that, and I mean, you'd, you'd you'd enjoy that. You'd enjoy that brisket a little longer. You'd savor each bite. You just, I'm not going to get as worked up. You see, you and I, we can experience hope because God's word actually tells us where this world is heading, and we can actually know the end of the story, and we we can even have all sorts of clues and guidance on what life is likely to be like for us here and now. Ooh, that gives us a tremendous amount of hope and perspective as we're navigating culture. So that's something you see in Daniel's life. Another thing we see and we can learn from Daniel is we can choose humility and respect with all authorities. A very, very important principle in Daniel is you see his respect of authority. When you read it, you, just, you recognize, wow, he's remaining respectful to these different kings. He's loyal to God first but he's also respectful to the leaders that are over him. And sadly this is where we are struggling so much. We constantly struggle. Every decade we struggle in our culture. And it seems like the more with social media, the more with the news, the more more polarizing the issues we're just really struggling with with how do I how do I respect how do I humble myself in this when we if you know the end of the story, you can actually choose humility, trusting that God is sovereign over all of it. And so when things are going what seems like haywire, you can actually have a settled heart. And say, God, I, I just know. Uh, I know you're in control. You've placed me here now. Help me to figure out how to, how to pray, how to engage, what to get involved in, what not to get involved in. Here's the guidance given to the church in the first century, under Nero, a maniacal Roman emperor, look at First Peter 2. This is what Peter writes to the Christians who were living in the days of Nero, many of whom were being persecuted. Peter would eventually be persecuted, be uh, crucified upside down under Nero. He was imprisoned in Rome beside the Colosseum. Uh, but here's what Peter writes to the church, submit yourselves to the for the Lord's sake, to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. So there's, there's a certain way of living. There's a certain way of living rightly among, um, in a culture, in a hostile culture. There's, there's an aim. God wants, actually, he wants you to stand out in the culture as someone who walks rightly and is, is, brings good into different environments. Verse 16, Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. That's hard, isn't it? Let's just camp out on that one for a moment. <laughs> Show proper respect to everyone. I'm not a Greek scholar but no matter how many times I try to manipulate that word everyone still means everyone. It just it's it's pretty clear. Love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honor the king. What about the people that aren't respectable? I mean Peter actually Nero wasn't respectable, but Peter still taught this to the church. How could he do that? Well, it's because Peter knew the end of the story. I mean, he knew the end of the story because, and he wasn't freaking out. He actually had seen Jesus get crucified on a cross, but that wasn't the end of the story. He rose from the dead, and he knew this was the same hope that he could cling to. He had the hope of eternity. This wasn't it here and now. So here and now, we can actually stand firm and be faithful to God while still being respectable or respectful to all human authority. But that's a challenge for us. Here's the third point here from, from Daniel. It's to walk in wisdom amidst today's issues. Again, there's concerns. There's issues that consume us. There's matters of conscience. There's convictions. You've got to think about the issues and understand these things. It really matters. But like Daniel, you have to resolve not to defile yourself, not to defile yourself with what God has actually forbidden. So there is a line God God draws lines, there are boundaries, there are guardrails you don't want to cross. God says, this is a sin. There's gray areas and there's black and white. We have a hard time sometimes distinguishing, but when it comes to the black and white issues that, is, that, that would be defiling for a Christ follower, like Daniel, resolve not to defile yourself with what God has forbidden but don't confuse that with your own personal disgust of things or your disdain for things. We confuse that. Like, I just, I don't like this. And then we just start drawing all sorts of lines. And it's not really that God has drawn that line. So we need to, with the confusion, we need to know where, God, where do you draw this line? So we've got to dig into the Bible for ourselves. We need to get to know God's word. And not just waste all our time. Reading the news alone—it's good to be informed. It's good to know what's going on, but not just consume. Be consumed by it all. Instead, get to know the guide through through his book, through the guidebook, through the Bible. One other thought for for you that are younger in the room, and I'll let you figure out if you fit in that category. Okay, <laughs> Daniel and his—I'll say I'm younger too. So I'll just look in the mirror. I don't—I don't. I, don't know. I feel younger still, but. Daniel and his young friends rose to the top. They were sharp. They were diligent. They they trusted God. They showed respect, and God caused them to rise. And that's my hope for you that are that are younger and that you're just you're sort of just starting out in in your lives and in your your futures before you, your careers before you. Maybe you're just jumping into those things. I, I have so much hope for you, God. I, God's going to place some of you in some prominent roles, some key roles and some key positions, and, and I hope that you will serve well. Whichever field God places you in, wherever he, whatever post He puts you in, I hope you serve well. Trust God. Uh, honor the people. Respect the people that are over you. Shine like a light. Do, do good and do right before the Lord. Be a blessing to those people. Um, we're, as a church... We're praying for you. There's so much that God can do through your lives. And this church encourages me because so many of you are in that. You're in those years where it's like you're making major decisions. And you're making decisions about where you're going to plant roots and who you're going to do life with and who you're going to band with and who you're going to run with in life and and, and how you're going to live your life. And we, we would love to be a part of, of seeing your faith established, helping you navigate through the cultural uh, chaos but we're praying for you so here's some, here's some next steps to consider number one pray for the future and the unity of our church since this is new territory of us uh, moving into some permanent property and, and laying up resources for the future uh, there's always an opportunity for, for disunity and so pray for our unity as we advance pray that we would advance together number two Seek God this week regarding Advance Horizontal. Uh, If you're a guest with us this morning, we're in the middle of this next chapter of of our journey called Advance Horizontal. It's a 24-month concerted effort to raise funds as a church. And the word horizontal simply refers to the initiative that our congregation is moving in towards establishing our permanence in, in Riverside, securing our home base and preparing to build. And so, if God has been leading you to help with this next chapter of our story, then then everything we've been doing in this season will culminate next Sunday, February the 9th, at what we're calling Commitment Sunday. And so, Scott and Christine are going to come up, and and they've been our campaign tour guides, and so they're going to continue to come up and share uh, one more piece before our Commitment Sunday.
1: Good morning everyone. Hey. Advanced Horizontal has been such an exciting and faith-filled journey that we've been on together as a church family. So Scott and I are excited to share a little bit more with you this morning about that. So first of all, if you have not received any campaign material, we have plenty in the back and would love to get you exactly what you need. We'll have some staff members in the back that would love to connect with you and get you what you need. Um, Second, our vision nights last weekend, we had such a sweet time celebrating together as a church family. We were able to look back at all the ways that God has been faithful to OCC. We heard from Pastor Josh the full vision of Advanced Horizontal, and even heard some stories and testimonies of the way God is moving in people's hearts throughout this season of our church life. And if you missed any of that, you can actually find all of that on the website, Josh's message and the testimonies. So feel free to check those out if you haven't seen them.
2: Yeah, that's right. It was a really great time of just connecting together and hearing the vision. And also, yesterday, if you came to the Prayer on the Property event, wasn't that a good time? It was great to just pray together, to kind of, you know, hang out, and just to kind of envision what God has done, what God can do there. And so, and would you continue this week to pray with us? Right now we're in the middle of a 14-day prayer campaign. And a way you can participate in that is we have a text prayer prompts that come out. And here's on the screen is some guidelines on how to, how to opt in on that. And basically you'll be receiving text prayer prompts every day at 10.15. So, they're probably going to come through for today here in a minute. So, um, it's really it's really been fun to participate that, and and we encourage you to sign up for that if you like.
1: So, like Josh mentioned, we want to um, explain what Commitment Sunday is so that you can come prepared for what that will look like. It will be a special worship service next Sunday. We'll come prepared to celebrate, to worship with us, and we will provide an in-service time for each individual and family to respond to what God has prompted each of you to give through your initial offering and 24-month 20 pledge to advance horizontal.
2: And then, um, so here's kind of what we want you to do, guys, is you have, a, you have this, and um, here's a picture of it, we have this generosity guide. And if you don't have one, they're in your handout or they're back on the table and then you have a pledge card. So we really want to encourage you this week to really work through and pray through this generosity guide as an individual, as an individual or as a family. And then really just choose faith, fill out your pledge card and bring it next Sunday and participate in our service to do that. You know, we were just kind of reflecting earlier on just how amazing God has really worked out the timing of us. You know, we had planned on having this campaign, um, you know, advanced horizontal prior to even being in escrow or even having the opportunity of the Riverside Tennis Club. And it's amazing to see how closing of the escrow is basically lining up exactly with this campaign. So God really has seemed to give us a tangible opportunity to be generous towards. So let's watch a brief video that really just kind of highlights this whole escrow experience that we went through.
0: We put an offer on this property, it was accepted, and we're in escrow. Now over $200,000 towards our additional $400,000 down payment goal. Another quick update, we have now surpassed the $250,000 mark. We're now at $333,000, and and it's just amazing to see. We hit the goal! Decided to to go for it, okay? So we went for it. (laughs)
2: as you heard this morning and understanding the book of Daniel is following God is always exciting and it's always meaningful and I am honored and thankful to be joining with all you and following him in this opportunity. So thanks for letting us share with you. And if you have any questions or you just want to come up and we'll pray with you, share with us what's going on. Christina and I will be back at the advance table. Come up and say hi.
0: All right, let's let's pray. God, thank you for this journey you've had us on. Thank you for your kindness to us, Lord, and uh, leading us through this. I, pr- I pray, God, that you would uh, that we would be responding to you. God, that's the hope, Lord, is that as that in our lives, as, as opportunities to trust you come up, that we would respond to you. Um, there's a lot of enthusiasm and excitement, there's a lot of challenge. it can feel like pressure um, and so God, I pray that each one of us, Lord or each of our families, would just seek you through this time and respond to what you're showing us. Uh, we don't need the hype, we don't need the uh, we don't need to emotionally approach this Lord, you want us to turn to you in faith and so God, we trust you with it. we trust you with the outcome of it all we we've seen you work and provide we know you. Uh, have all the resources and you you use us, God. you flow resources through us. But God, I just I pray that people would would uh, be, be wrestling with you, God, and that they would respond to you. and if, if you're leading towards this, then great, if, if you're not leading towards this, Lord, I pray that you would raise up an army of people that would pray for us, Lord, that we would be a church that is unified through our prayers, uh, that we would uh, stay trusting in you each and every step. So we thank you, God, for this time. We thank you for this morning as you challenged us through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move
2: forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.